Welcome to GovCast. I'm your host, Melissa Harris, and GovCIO Media and Research is live here at the 2022 HIMSS Conference in Orlando. We're here to connect with the top health IT leadership in federal government and beyond, and to dive into the details through a series of special podcast episodes with you. Before we get into our interview here today, make sure you follow along to these episodes on GovCast, HealthCast, and CyberCast so you don't miss out. So here at the first day of the HIMSS conference, we're going to take a look into the veterans' healthcare experience with people, processes, and technology. HIMSS's theme this year is to reimagine healthcare, and Veterans Affairs Health Innovation and Learning Chief Officer Ryan Vega takes that to heart. As you'll hear from him in a moment, he's all about looking at a bigger picture of how we reimagine care and doing it in a meaningful and scalable way that's tailored to different individuals' and communities' needs. And we'll tease what he's looking forward to during the conference, and we'll get to chat about both of our histories as competitive swimmers. All right, Ryan, thank you so much for joining us here at GovCast at the very beginning of the 2022 HIMSS conference. It's a pleasure to spend some time amid all the festivities to learn more about your work. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I just want to start with uh, VA's Fit for Purpose Evaluation Framework. Can you explain what exactly that is for our listeners and discuss how it will drive innovation in healthcare? Yeah, so we have spent the better part of the last year and a half really looking at the different frameworks that are utilized to evaluate healthcare innovations, whether in the private sector, startups, venture capital, and going back really 30 years of the idea of value definition within healthcare. A lot of the literature centers on focusing on the, the financial aspects of this. And that in the U.S. makes sense. We're predominantly a fee-for-service payment model in the private sector, as well as the insurers levy a lot of pressure because their incentive is to drive down per member per month costs in order to share some return to the stakeholders, in this case, the shareholders. And so the lens through which we generally evaluate healthcare innovations is often largely disconnected from the reality of how we experience care or as we and myself as a provider delivers care. And so we really thought carefully about what are the core tenets, what are the core things that really need to be considered and asked before you make a determination or an investment? And equally, what are the domains of value we really want to see value be either created or realized over time? And so the real essence of it is the three tenets. We start with meaningfulness. This really gets to the perceived value of the patient or the clinician or the provider, whoever it may be, the perceived value of the solution itself. Far too often we see f way too many innovations in which there really is no meaningful impact on either the provider or the patient. They're solutions looking for a problem to solve. And beyond that, the idea of perceived value and meaningfulness has immense implications on the actual willingness to change or adopt a new solution. We often uh, think of new solutions as being, or providers as being resistant to change. It's not necessarily that they're resistant to change, it's because the technology doesn't work. The second one is looking at scale, and scale sort of has two sides of the coin. One, what's the right market? Something may work in an emergency department, that doesn't necessarily mean it's gonna work in an ICU. And so you have to really be thinking about the natural market for which a product should exist. 
But equally, there's an important concept about replicability because we see, and we see this in AI a lot, where a solution has been tested and validated at one site, and you go to another and the efficacy of the validity drops. Well, that's because the way that medicine is practiced or the data is collected or the way that the health system functions is different. And so you really need to think about both where to scale and when to scale. And then the last one is about time to value realization. It's really understanding that it takes time to realize value, that you may not see it immediately, that there's short term and medium term, but there's also long term value. So things like health equity uh, and driving equity and more efficiency and care outcomes, they may take time. And you have to consistently be reevaluating the solution and understanding how it's creating value today. If it's not, then maybe it's time to leave. So that's the whole concept of that fit for purpose, really trying to change the lens through which we evaluate solutions. That's uh, especially important because so many people want to introduce these great technologies to the healthcare space, but if it doesn't help the end user, the patient, the provider, then what's the purpose? Yeah. So moving on to the question around um, healthcare access and equity, how is the VA developing new standards to improve those areas um, with equity as well as deliver more personalized care? Um, maybe that connects to the point you were just making. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a fantastic opportunity to really reimagine how we can deliver personalized care through novel technologies. If you look at the advent of additive manufacturing in the walls of hospitals, or really what we think of it as point-of-care manufacturing, using 3D printing to develop or to produce a customized orthotic or prosthetic, not asking the veteran, do you want a small, medium, or large, but manufacturing the solution for them at the point of care. These new types of technologies are enabling us to do that. So the personalization of medicine creates a more equitable experience because we're producing the solution for you, the individual, not mass producing and then just trying to have you conform to what either the size standard is. I think there's other opportunities to really move on the health equity lens, particularly a unique opportunity as we think and reimagine how we can aggregate and serve as a convener around social determinants. We have a project going on around food insecurity. And the real challenge here is to remember that markets are going to be very, very different, meaning that the challenges for connecting veterans who may be at risk for food insecurity in the Chicago market is going to be very different than here in Orlando. And so it's not about approaching things from an equitable standpoint and one size fits all. It's how do you personalize the experience and customize the experience, have some seamless standards across, but allow the idea for there to be variability in the market. Remember, each individual is different. And so it's about how you can create a seamless experience and then tailor it to that individual. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about, um, you know, precision health at the individual level, but it's important to also look at that community level, too. So I, I love that point you brought up. So, you know, even though you were talking about how innovation isn't necessarily, you know, that new technology could be innovation in a broader sense, what are some of the opportunities and projects within the VA's innovation portfolio? And what are some of the new solutions that you're eyeing that listeners should keep an eye on? So we've looked at things through the lens of what are some of the capabilities that the agency is going to need to stay competitive in the healthcare market. And when we look across those core capabilities, and really these are tools or solutions, it's about building the capacity in the agency to take the novel technologies or the novel solutions across those five major categories. These aren't controversial, but advanced manufacturing, this is continuously to accelerate and grow the idea of 3D printing patient surgical models prior to the going into the operating room, all the way now to 
customize surgical instruments. And then in the future, biofabrication of organs. Digital health, and this is a pretty big and, and broad one. Immersive technology, we're seeing the use of AR and VR for things such as surgical navigation, but also to deliver care in the home. The use of advanced clinical simulation, not just to provide more training and better training to clinicians or whoever it may be, could be caregivers in the home, but also to be better at testing and validating the acceleration of technology is, is immense in healthcare. And we have to think about how we bring those new solutions into a simulated environment to allow clinicians to really get a hands-on feel for the workflow or how things may change before we actually go into a live or into the hospital. Then I also think that there's a huge opportunity in data transformation. And the reason we categorize it as data transformation is mostly centered on the idea that, that AI, ML, these are all techniques to transform data into actionable intelligence, giving us a real unique opportunity to think about all the new types of information coming, whether it is your phone, whether it is a wearable or a sensor that hasn't been developed. They're all gonna help us from a care delivery standpoint, know more about you and help better get a model holistically of you as an individual. So not you when you're sick or not you when you're just showing up for a wellness visit, but you as an individual. And I think, so those, we, we see a lot of opportunity uh, in those areas. The fifth one, and this is really just uh, about how do you transform the service or the business models to better provide more value-based care. And so those are really the areas we focus on, and the number of different projects that are going on in all of those, all the way from using digital twin uh, and digital twinning to create replicas of our future ERs or our community-based outpatient clinics, then transforming that into an immersive environment where we can actually simulate out, hey, the door is not big enough to fit a stretcher. So we're actually amending the architectural blueprints before we ever break ground. It's an example of something where I think we'll have downstream clinical impact, but you can use modern technology to actually really impact operational, or in this place, construction and facility management. So just one example where I think you're seeing VA push the bleeding edge, uh, and we always like to say we're on the leading edge, because sometimes being on the bleeding edge isn't that cost advantageous, but an area in which people probably aren't suspecting that VA is using digital twin to optimize construction and facility management. Excellent. Um, so amid all these different options you're looking at and exciting new technologies that, um, you know, have the seed to scale up eventually, how are you collaborating with uh, tech developers and internal and external stakeholders, like those people on the ground too, to deliver those technologies um, in a meaningful way? Yeah, I, I love that you use the word meaningful because that is so vital. I often say this, we don't have a technology problem. Technology is pretty sophisticated. Uh, and I was FaceTiming my, my kids last night. I mean, you, we sort of take for granted the fact that in the quick of a button, I can actually see my kids who are thousands of miles away. So it's a design problem. We generally don't design well. And that meaningful collaboration across stakeholders, both clinicians, patients often, caregivers, administrators, individuals with software background, right? It's bringing those diverse communities together and really not, not just starting with the idea of, okay, what's the problem, but really understanding the problem and then designing the solution to solve the problem. And that design phase is fundamental. So that's really how we've shifted our focus, is not saying here's a set of requirements, go build us, but here's the objectives we're trying to achieve. Let's design that together. Because then you can be iterative, you can be agile, and you can fail. But you're failing in terms of months, 
you're, ta- you're failing in terms of, okay, now we go to the next piece. You're not failing in terms of, well, here's the solution and now it doesn't work. What do I do? Mm-hmm. How does the, the workflow there work um, with uh, getting from that holistic view to creating a solution? Human-centered design is, is a core component of it. And so I th- there's, a, there's a strong emphasis on the initial empathetic interviewing. And, and I often say there's a fundamental difference between knowing the problem and understanding the problem. So understanding requires listening. It, under, it requires really taking some time and hearing and understanding the values, what's meaningful, what matters to the individuals who will be potentially impacted by the solution that's deployed. And that's the first part where you start. And then from there, what you are trying to do is then really hone in on the ideation phase and getting to that minimal viable or that solution that can then be iterated and tested. And the most important thing is is then iterative development. Right. Sometimes it's it's as simple as sitting with the individual who's going to be using and saying, do you want the keys on the left or do you want the keys on the right? And that may sound sort of mundane and sound like, well, that's well, you just want to build the solution. Go. Those things are vital. If, if you don't think Amazon is monitoring in the background, whether if they change the interface, do you click more or, not, or less? They are. And that matters to them because design is crucial for them to get and generate more orders and revenue. And so for us, I think we've got to go through those processes. And then the key is once you have a solution, it's test, then test again. And after you've tested again, test again. The the testing and the replication is vital. Uh, We often don't do this enough. And so you see solutions be deployed uh, that that they end up lagging in terms of adoption or there's challenges and you're you're sort of trying to go back and fix bugs. And that is the, the crucial aspect of the testing and the testing and the testing. So those are, I think, the process if you were to lay it out. Yeah, and that really ties back to your aspect about how you know, one, no one solution fits all, you know, so that's why it's important to do those things. So since we're here at HIMSS, I also want to uh, pick your brain a little bit about your thoughts about the conference. So um, during your session, um, what are one or two key takeaways that you really want the audience to walk away with? There is a practical aspect that is often lost in terms of innovation or health technology. Again, technology is amazing in what it can do, and we can do a lot, but we lose sometimes the practical implications, the business implications. So you could have the greatest remote patient monitoring solution that allows you to monitor a patient at home. Where's the provider on the back end? Is is this a provider you have to hire? Is this more work for an existing provider? Well, how does the alert come to them? If they don't answer it, is it... So so we fail to see that there, there are these business processes, there's these rules, there's all of these practical things on the back end. And just because you can do something doesn't mean it's actually going to be meaningfully uh, impactful. And so that's, I think, what's often missed is you have to be obsessed with the practicality of the solution. The second thing is to remember that far too often we miss the simple processes. We miss uh, the low-hanging fruit. You know, the analogy I use, it's, it's, it's like we have a football team and every single play they throw it deep. Every single play they're going for the, the Hail Mary. They're not going to win many games because everybody's going to know what they're going to do, right? Sometimes it's the foundational pieces, right? You know, they say establish the run, block and tackle. Right? Do the foundational things that set you up to win. We often miss that opportunity. We often miss the idea that there are 
simple implementations. There are simple things we can solve through technology. You don't have to go for the home run like sepsis. Those are very clinically complex solutions. And while they may be attractive, and it doesn't mean we don't continue to push the envelope there, we often miss the opportunity to solve real problems today that could make the delivery of care more enjoyable uh, for clinicians or a more enjoyable experience for our patients. Excellent. And while you're here throughout the week for the conference, what central themes do you think will arise? And are there any particular sessions you're keen on going to? I think one of the themes, it's sort of maybe not a theme anymore. We keep talking about the idea of reimagining care, reimagining care. Uh, that's, I think, this year's theme is reimagine healthcare. I think what I'm really looking to hear is that's going to take a departure from the idea that, that the health systems which we have built and that trillion dollar industry that we have built is really on the receiving end. Meaning that if you're having a heart attack, we're really good about getting you in uh, and hopefully unclogging that blockage. But you're talking about a, a paradigm shift. To reimagine healthcare, it is a paradigm shift to think more about investment and wellness, uh, moving the healthcare systems further upstream and being more involved in community planning and development. I mean, these are things that are not common. This is going to take uh, a significant paradigm shift. So I think I'm looking to hear how people are utilizing new solutions or technologies to help start us down that path. Uh, in terms of keynote, uh, I, I grew up as a competitive swimmer. I, I've seen Phelps swim live, so I'm uh, very interested in hearing that talk. I was also a swimmer, actually. Were you really? Yeah, I swam what butterfly. Your, what was your event? So Spread was I, fly. Hunter Fly. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. 50.2, so I went to juniors when I was a senior. I got to 103. I never broke 50 point. I play, uh, I swam up until a year in college and burnt out yeah. and uh, became a journalist instead. So. That's awesome. I, I opted not to. I had some small D2 uh, school offers, but I was, you know, I'm, I'm five foot nine on a good day. I wasn't going to the Olympics. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> I unfortunately am going to miss Phelps, but uh, I hope you get to... Say good hi for him. I'll yeah, I will. I'll live vicariously through you for that. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you so much again, Ryan. And, uh, you know, looking forward to hearing from the rest of the conference and um, what your other colleagues have to say across the podcast. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in. Follow our other shows for more coverage throughout the conference this week. And head to govciomedia.com to keep up with our HIMSS coverage. We'll be covering some key sessions and we'll release daily newsletters so you don't miss a thing. GovCast, along with CyberCast and HealthCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com.